Al Berry. I gotta find a different line of work because I can't afford any of this stuff. And Tim Parrish. I'm not a panini hater by any means. Seriously, after that whole experience, I'm out. I don't want to deal with that. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Puck Junk Podcast. I'm Sal Barry, and along with me is Tim Parrish, a.k.a. The Real DFG. What's up, Tim? What's happening? Oh, nothing much. Just testing out a, a new microphone, a new old microphone, a microphone that I put away and then rediscovered that I had. So it's kind of new. I you know, hadn't used it in a couple of years, and uh, hopefully I don't sound like I am uh, have, have a bucket on my head underwater this time, like last week. Uh, you do not. At least at the moment. That's good. That's good. So, so far, so good. So, um, uh, I'll you warn know. you if you take a dive. Oh, <laughs> two for diving, right? Yes. Um, by the way, um, uh, last week I was a guest on another podcast called About the Cards. Uh, it was with uh, three gentlemen who are big time card collectors. Uh, they're not really into hockey, so they were kind of intrigued by me. Like, oh, you collect hockey. One of them I spoke with, his name's Ben, uh, sports antagonist Ben on Twitter. And uh, I interviewed him a couple years ago about the Topps big baseball set from 88 to 88, 89, and 90. They came out. He was a big fan of that set when it came out. So I talked with him, and then he's like, ah, you should be on the podcast sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then he just, we kind of just forgot about it. And then like a year and a half later, he brings it up. He's like, Hey, you still want to be on the podcast? We want to talk about hockey, but we don't know too much about it. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm all about hockey. So I was on their show. Um, if you find, uh, if you go to YouTube and search for about the cards, uh, I'm episode, I'm on episode number 75. And, uh, I think, I think it was kind of a fun conversation. Um, I, you know, uh, never missed the opportunity to talk about hockey cards. I saw. I thought it sounded good. I listened. I listened to it while it broadcast live, and I've also downloaded it onto the uh, podcast rotation. So I'm sure it'll pop up again, and I'll get to listen to it a second time, so I can find all of the errors and things that you said. Oh yeah, all all the mis- <laughs> all the mistakes. Um, uh, you know, because there. I doubt it. Well, you know. Um, so anyways, this week, not a lot of updates in uh, the world of uh, hockey cards. Um, as we record this, uh, things might change between the time we record this and the time I post this. But as of right now, for Tops Now, um, they uh, the, the Week 9 stickers are available. They, as of yet, they have not announced who the stickers are, other than that there will be a Kale McCarr Chase sticker, because it's Week 9, so every three weeks they do a Chase sticker. And this will be Kale McCard designed like a 1954-55 Topps card. Now, the other thing that I wanted to mention, because I just found this out recently. I finally had a time to sit down, open up the sticker album, open up the packs of stickers. And I'll tell you that they make a big deal about every three weeks there being a Chase sticker. But there's actually Chase stickers every week. And I just found this out randomly because uh, week two had Alex Ovechkin. And when I opened that sticker pack, it had the regular Ovechkin sticker, and it also had a gold version. I'm calling it gold version, but it was, it looked more like sepia tone. Like, it was basically the same photo, but, like, sepia toned, and it had, Weird. like, yeah, and it had, it had, like, a G, um, 
appendix at the end. It was like number 12G or 13G. I forget which one it was. Um, but what they do is with the chase stickers is if the pack has the chase stickers, obviously it has a 10th sticker and that 10th sticker is on the back of the pack. So you can see it real easily. Um, so when I was looking and I flipped it over and I'm like, 12G, what, what, you know, and I open it up and I'm like, oh, it's a special Ovechkin. Did I also get the regular one? And sure enough, I did. So I think that's why there's sort of a, um, secondary market for these stickers because tops will give you discounts if you buy five packs or if you buy 10 packs, if you buy, you know, many packs, then the prices go down substantially. So like, for instance, when I missed week six, somebody was buying a bunch of week six and I bought it for like five and a quarter or something. And here's the other funny thing. I missed week eight. And you're going to say, Sal, how did you miss week eight? If you're like so obsessed with these top style hockey stickers, right? You're probably thinking that. Is that, wait, you miss another week? Yes. I bought week seven twice after I missed week six I bought the week seven sticker pack right away. And then like six and a half days later, I bought it again, thinking that it was the I thought, one. Yeah, when you said that, I thought, yeah, we already talked about this. You missed yeah. a week. I didn't no, realize I, you missed another week. Yeah, I missed. What I are missed, you doing? I'm not doing a good job of keeping track. So Obviously fortunately, not. I was able to find uh, somebody selling the week eight sticker pack for like five fifty on eBay and. So I'll have that also. But yeah, I'm missing a couple of weeks now, like where I didn't buy them the first go round. So, you know, I've I've already kind of um kind of um borked my chances at getting uh, the all star sticker set through tops because you had to buy oh, they're not gonna bend over to give it to you. No, 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 no. So I'm gonna have to buy that on the secondary market as well. Or or not. I don't know. This is becoming this is quickly becoming an expensive project. I'm gonna end up spending like two hundred dollars on a sticker album but then again what would you spend to complete a panini hockey album from like years past um probably at least that yeah I mean, exactly especially if you're getting the packs for you know 90s depending on the year you bought them i mean mostly they were a buck right maybe a little less than that 50 cents at some point if you go way back but yeah so um so okay, so that's up with what's up with um, the tops now stickers. As for uh, game dated moments, uh, Upper Deck hasn't announced anything yet. They may between the time we release, you know, record this podcast and release this podcast. Uh, but it seems like you know, with Thanksgiving weekend, the card companies were a little kind of checked out and not really like, um, uh, you know, other than having sales. By the way, um, you should know that the. Um, the Upper Deck Ranger coins are 50% off part of their black. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure the six people that bought them are going to be upset that they didn't get them for half price. Well, it's funny because that's <laughs> that's always the thing that they discount. Like whenever Upper Deck has like, they'll have like flash sale, buy one Granger coin, get one free. And I'm like, um, okay and then like a couple weeks later a couple months later they'll have like spring cleaning sale and it'll be like you know save 10 percent off blaster boxes and I'm like right, whatever grant your coins buy one get one half off and it's just like wow i mean that's really like their go-to when they're having a sale that's like the thing that they mark down the most yeah i don't think it took off as well as they had hoped 
Um, no, I mean, if 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 I if I dare bring it up, Pinnacle Mint. If you remember those from yeah. what was that ninety seven ninety eight ninety six um, ninety seven I think yeah one of them years you know with the with the coins uh, well they did it both of those honestly. years I'm sorry they did it yeah they did yeah they did two years Jim Howard and I did a podcast about that a couple years ago you have to have the right person that wants that you either have to have the super fan looking for everything of that player that they collect. Or a team collector that's looking to have absolutely everything that they're going for. I really don't see somebody just shelling out the money to go after those individually. But that's just me. I mean, stranger things have happened. Well, yeah, and I I think they're because they're, they were so expensive to begin with. They were like a hundred bucks each. Right. And it's just like, um, Pinnacle Mint was fun because you had the the cards with the hole, and you put the card, you put the coin in the card, and you had like I don't know different types of coins, and it was kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, there was gold, silver, and bronze. Right, but I mean, it was it was an inex- relatively inexpensive set to buy. It wasn't a hundred dollars a pack for one coin. Like that's kind of steep when you think of like a hundred dollars for a pack of like five hockey cards for something like maybe UD Black or something, or you know Black Diamond. I know they're more than a hundred a pack, but you know what I mean. It, it's it's it, it's hard to be like, ooh, coins, one for a hundred dollars, yay. Yeah. All right. Again, another another product that's priced well well beyond my limit for something that I'd be willing well, to not, shell out money for. Not right now. Even at fifty percent off. Fifty percent off. All right. Well, so even at fifty percent off. All right. So because we don't want to make this podcast three hours long, we're gonna we're gonna save talk about NHL stuff for uh uh our next podcast um but uh yeah let's talk about cards yeah we're gonna talk about the 99 2000 season of hockey cards uh you had some uh you had some interesting facts and figures about that year versus uh today do you want to you know what it was like 20 years ago versus what it's like now do you want to share those thoughts well you think about it we got 20 20 years of innovation in design right Mm-hmm. Or no, that, that was being facetious. Um, I don't know necessarily that the cards have actually changed that much from a design standpoint, but something you got to consider is, you know, back then, if you look at the 99, 2000 year, um, there were about 34, roughly about 34 major releases that were put out there. I mean, obviously there's countless numbers of minor leagues and college and European sets and team issues and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just talking about the major releases because there were multiple manufacturers at that time. Um, Licensing, Upper Deck had a license, Topps still had a license, Panini had a license. They manufactured stickers back then. Um, In the game actually had not only the players, but logos on their cards you can imagine that and there was a company that we all know and love called pacific that existed back then so between all of the major companies i mean they were churning out sets left and right you know you look at today technically there's only three manufacturers but only one that has a license and there have already been 15 sets put on the release calendar that are either out already or scheduled that have checklists available and that doesn't include things like 
you know, the Tops Now stickers that we talk about all the time or the new Tops NHL stickers that are going to be coming out or, you know, the overtime, the upper deck overtime that gets that is given to um, dealers directly or the Tim Horton set or the, you know, Panini score, if you want to count that as a set. Um, I don't. But anyway, so, I mean, there's 15 sets released, you know, released or scheduled now. And I mean, I'm sure there's going to be more, but the vast majority of those are upper deck and upper deck only um, with a few leaf mixed in um, because that's really all the major manufacturers at this point in time. So, um, you know, big difference between what can be put out onto the market between then and now. I guess is is kind of the overall point of that. Um, you know, there's different different things that that kind of go go into that from a collector standpoint. You kind of look at okay, you have the difference between what one company can manufacture and put out and have you know the same design or the same kind of the same product, I guess, churned out year in and year out when there's only one manufacturer. Back then, you had a little bit more of a variety um, of sets that hit the market um, because of the fact that you had the other manufacturers that were out there. You have your typical things like Upper Deck, Upper Deck MVP. Um, you know, I believe SP was still around back then. Or was you, around back then. You had Black, Black Diamond. Diamond and sure. You also had, you mentioned MVP. And I just want to say, there is MVP and there is MVP Stanley Cup Edition. Correct. Yeah, the Stanley Cup Edition, just slightly different um, than the uh, than the regular MVP version. But, you know, all of those brands are, are, are still around. Um, but you also had Tops. And you had Tops Chrome. And you had Tops Gold Label. And you had Stadium Club. You know, and those you had- were... Those Top were still Premier Plus. Premier Plus, yes. That was actually was that the first year for Premier Plus? Uh, uh I'm not sure, but with I'm those cards. At, they yeah, had the, kind of like a texture, almost like uh yeah. like canvas. Sure. Um yeah, they were they were very textury. Um a lot of like little little um what would you call them? Little craters or pockmarks in the Mm-hmm. In the actual cover of the card. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Tops had you know a lot of their brands out there, and Pacific. I mean, Pacific, it is what it is. Some people like Pacific, some people hate them for the fact that they bombarded the market with product, um, and a lot of times you can go back and find things between the two thousand year and two thousand and four um, after they disappeared. Um, for fairly cheap, you know, a lot of the dealers have boxes that you that'll pop up. You see them at shows, or you see them on their websites. Um, you know, anywhere from fifteen bucks up to about thirty bucks for a wax box of product that's twenty so it's about twenty years old. So, um, you know, things like Aurora and Crown Royal and you know Dynagon Ice and Paramount and Prism and Revolution; those were all all sets that popped out. Not to mention, Opeachy was still around too, but it wasn't owned by Upper Deck yet. So yeah, it was it was, was Tops. It was it just was, Tops doing a parallel set, right? But I think one uh, one one thing that 
kind of defined the 99-2000 collecting year for hockey, that was the year of Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. I mean, hands down, that was the Wayne Gretzky year in hockey. Almost every set had some type of tribute um, to Gretzky included in the set. There were either uh, a Gretzky like tribute card, Gretzky highlight cards, Gretzky pretty much everything. Well, upper deck, yeah. He retired the previous season, the end of the ninety eight ninety nine season. That was that was it. He hung up the skates. Um, so um, that was kind of the let's send him off with all of these tributes. I mean, there were even sets where it was, you know. Gretzky's great. And it was, you know, he would name off. I don't know how this worked. I'm assuming he would just name off players that he thought deserved to be in his set of who he thought was great. And that's what would be included. I wonder if Brent Gretzky was in that set. I don't know. I don't think it was. Oh, bummer. Poor Brent. I, I, um, doubt, I doubt if he was. I doubt his brother would have included him in one of the greats. Or, or uh, you know, the uh, there were a couple. There's another... Uh, Gretzky brother, there was Brent and there was Keith. Yeah. Um, right. So, you know, um, thinking about, yeah. So the 99, 2000 season. So I'll tell you this. Um, I was not collecting then. Uh, that's when I took my little, uh, little hiatus from collecting. I want to say like the last year I remember buying like packs and trying to build sets before taking a break was 96, 97. I remember buying score that re- that year for some reason, score hockey and trying to put that set together. And I think I found a box of like, you know, I was finding that was around the time you started getting like repacks, not quite repacks, but you'd get like older boxes. Like I remember buying a box of like 92, 93 pro set. And it was like in 96 or 97, I found it at like a Kmart for like $10. Like, you know, they were selling full boxes for like $10 and they had like a 64, 65 Parker's tall boys set that came out in 94. And they had like a box of that for like $10 or $15 or something like that. So I think 96, 97, that was the last year where I was like, yeah, I'm a hockey card collector and I'm trying to build these sets and I'm going to, you know, put them in order and I'm going to keep track of which numbers I need. And then the next year, 97, 98, I was, um, well, actually that spring, spring of 97, I started going to art school and then I just got more caught up in that. Like I was living at the dorms. I, I started that school year, halfway through the school year. And then like the next four years, I was like, you know, living at the dorms or living by school. I was more into action figure collecting. Um, I had a couple of roommates who were into star Wars figures. So that was kind of my jam back then. And so hockey cards were like, not even a thought. Because one, they were getting more and more expensive. I didn't have the, it's funny, I say I didn't have the money for cards, but I sure as heck had money for toys. So, you know, you just, you pick what you like and you, you stick to that. And, you know, you had like the Star Wars movies were coming out again, like the re-releases and the, the this, um, you know, episode one and stuff like that. So I was super into that. Um, I, I totally like missed the whole Pacific thing. Like that whole four year span that Pacific made cards were four years I was not collecting. Like, I remember hearing, like, oh, Pacific, the football company, they're making hockey cards now. That's nice. And then they just, like, you know, I just, it's like I slept through it, only I didn't sleep through it. I was just, had my head down. I was going to school. I was working my butt off. But then I was also collecting 
you know, create uh, collecting action figures or probably spending my money on booze and food because that's what you do when you're in college. Uh, but uh, from a one... design standpoint, Pacific was pretty nice. So I mean, you did miss out on, on on quite a few releases that were fairly cool. But at the same time, they did have some duds. That's for you know, sure. And you know what was funny was I was actually still frequenting frequenting. Um, there was one card shop downtown chicago they were called the lower deck and we used to go there because they were a card and comic book store so uh, a lot of my roommates or friends were into comic books so they'd be like hey you want to go to lower deck and like yeah all right you know it's like a 15 minute walk but we're downtown and that's fine you know we'd walk there and they'd buy comic books and i wouldn't really look at the cards so much i would buy um starting lineup hockey figures like they would have those and i would buy those i i was into the uh the starting lineup figures so when i say i was a toy collector i was really a toy collector like i was collecting starting lineup hockey i was collecting the um headliner figures which were like the little caricature uh like figures. Oh, yes um I was, plenty of those i was collecting the uh pro zone figures they were the 12 inch tall ones uh, that had like the cloth uniforms uh, I'm trying to think what else came out. There were a couple other. There was like, I want to say it was called Heroes of the Ice or Legends of the Ice, but they were really stupid looking toys. They, uh, but anyways, uh, toys could be another topic, but th- I didn't collect those. But the point was, was that I was like so just ingrained into like collecting toys that I still collected hockey toys. I just wasn't into the cards. But you know what came out that year? And we talked about this, you know, a couple months ago was Power Deck by Upper Deck came out in 99 2000 and actually upper deck not only did they come out with that they came out with a couple of really cool sets that year the only two or the i have a couple of them that i could talk about one is power deck the other one is holographics and then another one is century legends and then of century course legends yes. the wayne gretzky living legends set. my favorite oh you like the century legends oh yeah that's you, one of it's one of the all-time best sets i think why do you say that in the last at least in the last 20 years, mm-hmm. if not longer. Um, oh, it's just, that was, you know, obviously you release a set for one reason, and that's to basically take the entire century up to that point and get as many players as you can and all-time greats and jam them all into one set. I mean, that was that was a spectacular set, and it's got, like, the epic signature cards, are mm-hmm. by far some of my favorite autograph cards that you're going to find. Cause they were all hard signed. Mm-hmm. They're all on card, hard signed autographs. And if I'm not mistaken, this was might have been upper decks last set that had rocket Richard's autograph on card. Cause he died not long after that came out. Right. And so I think it's, if if not the last, it's one of the last sets that you can potentially find an on card autograph uh, from from Rocket. So, but I mean, it's got all the greats on there. It's got Bellavo. It's got uh, Ted Lindsay. It's got you know Rocket Richard. I mean, there's there's tons tons of players with autographs in that set that are that are just unreal. Not to mention the other cards in there too. So it ranks them in order. I mean, it ranks them according uh, to the sporting news when they rank the, uh, whatever, 50 best players or whatever. So I'll just read off the first couple of pages. Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, Gordie Howe, 
Mario Lemieux, Maurice Richard, Jean Beliveau, Doug Harvey, Bobby Hull, Jacques Plante, Eddie Shore, Gila Fleur, Mark Messier, Terry Sawchuk, Howie Morenz, Dennis Potvin, Ray Bork, Glenn Hall, Stan Makita, Phil Esposito, uh, who do we got here? Uh, Mike Bossy, um, Ted are Lindsay. Read, are you reading these in order? I'm reading them in the order that they are in the in the pages. So yeah, numerically, okay. And then uh, Red Kelly. And what's interesting is card number uh, twenty three is supposed to be Ken Dryden. And I was going to bring this up because Ken Dryden refused to be in that set. He was card. He would have been card number twenty three. He um, for whatever reason upper deck couldn't just couldn't work out an agreement with them. I asked them, and they very I asked upper deck. And they very politely said to me, we just couldn't work it out with Ken Dryden. That, that, and they just left it at that. They didn't say it was a money thing. They didn't say it was an ego thing. Because, you know, he wasn't the, the best goalie. You know, he was after Glenn Hall and Terry Sawchuk and, um, and Jacques Plante. And, you know, that's okay, uh, I think. But uh, so I don't know if it was a money thing, an ego thing, or just like he wants to be that guy who, you know, doesn't come to your party and then everybody notices that he's not there, right? Like, oh, where's Ken? Where's Ken? I thought Ken was coming. Yeah, Ken's usually here. Why isn't Ken here, right? And he's more noticeable by being missing than by being included. I don't know. I mean, Upper Deck also put out another set. Um, I can't remember the name of that set, um, but it also had like uh, old time or, or, or uh, legend players in it. And he was in that set. So he wasn't in the set what's funny about that is that there is technically a dryden card that got issued but it's not really a dryden card you know what i'm talking about there's wait wait say again there's technically a dryden card that's not really a dryden card yes which one are you referring to the The the, one where he's he's on a card with somebody else right no the color test pattern oh you know what i'm talking about right yeah yeah, I have. I actually have that card, which is why I'm I'm like so free to talk about it now. Because once I own it, I don't care. I'll tell the world, hey, this card is hard to find. Until I'm looking for one, <laughs> keep my lips tight about it. So basically, what happened was was that upper Did deck. You get that from a vault sale? No, because uh, that would have been an upper deck vault sale, and I don't think they do those. Tops no. does the vault sales. So what Did happened? Tops steal that and sell it in a vault sale? No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I bought it. Somebody was selling it as as part of a complete set, and I bought the set just to get that one card because wow. I already had the set. So what happened was is that Upper Deck, when they make the cards, they print them up in these big sheets, right? And then they cut the sheets apart, and then they, they mix them up, and then they put them in the packs, right? That's pretty much the, an oversimplification of the process, but that's what they do. So... What they did was they didn't use a picture of Ken Dryden. They already had the sheet laid out. They already planned out how many cards were going to be in it and stuff. So what they did was they replaced his photo with a color test pattern, uh, which has a um, a black stripe, a yellow stripe, a magenta stripe, and a cyan stripe. And then after, so that was printed instead of the photo on the front. The back was just left bl- completely blank, like white. Um, and then after that, that particular card was stamped with an embossed image of Jeff Gordon. And so the idea was, was that if these cards are just, you know, you have a mass of cards and you're 
putting them in a packs or whatever, you have people like actually going through them and looking for the bright color test pattern or on the other side blank or just feeling, oh, this card feels like an action packed card from the 90s, you know, and, and p- pull it aside. Right. So that was the idea. But somehow, you know, I, I, I read um, I want to say it was on the Beckett site that around maybe five cards somehow made it made their way into packs and onto the secondary market. So it's so really at some just... point somebody pulled that out of a pack. Yes. Yes. That's how it was discovered. Of course, a few of them could have been snuck out the back door. Cause that's also how those things get discovered when somebody mm-hmm. just says, Oh, this is cool. I'm going to keep it. Right. We like to pretend those things don't happen. Right. Oh, they happen. I mean, when <laughs> I work, I used to work for a toy company and I, I have some prototypes of toys of action figures that never got made that I just, I have, you know, and it's just like, Maybe one day they'll find their way into somebody else's collection, but I'm really in no rush to to get rid of them. But yeah, so that that stuff does happen all the time. Um, I think with like with like trading cards and stuff, they're maybe a little more wanting to destroy those because there's like a licensing involved with that versus maybe other things. But right. uh, but anyway, so yeah, so Century Legends is kind of an interesting footnote because it has the Ken Dryden card that that is not a Ken Dryden card. Um, and, uh, then there was also power deck. Yeah. Power decks all you. Cause the only ones I ever really had were of power decks at back then were baseball ones. And I didn't really have much by the way of the hockey ones until later. Well, I didn't buy them back in the day. And I, like I said before, I wish I did, because I think I would have really enjoyed that because at that time I changed my major from a film degree to a multimedia degree, but I still had a lot of filmmaking in my blood, you know, like I knew how to shoot and edit video and, uh, and film. And, um, and then I was also like learning how to take that and like put it on the web or put it in like an interactive media piece or like a CD ROM or whatever. And power deck were basically these little miniature CD ROMs that you pop in and they'd have like player stats, photo gallery, biography about the player. And then like a, a, a video clip of highlights and you could kind of navigate around and go to like the different um, parts of it, almost like a website, but on a disc. And this would have been a novel thing at the time because people were just starting to have CD ROMs on their computers. So it was kind of like at that point where like you, maybe you didn't have a CD ROM on your computer, but it wasn't impossible to find them at this point. Maybe the, your school had it, or maybe your library had it, or maybe your work computer had it. And then the other thing is, is that you didn't really have like fast internet back then. I mean, at home, you were still probably using 56K. So a CD-ROM would have been like, hey, this is cool because I don't have to wait an hour for the web page to load with this video on it. I just pop it in my computer and it plays. I like Power Deck now. I would have liked it back then. And what about holographics? Did you? Uh, that's another set I have from ninety nine two thousand. Did you ever bother with that one? I I'm trying to remember if I bought any of those. Then I don't think I did. I think I picked up some of those later on, but I don't recall actually buying packs of that. Um, about I know the set wasn't the set wasn't very big, right? It was only 50, 60 like cards, right? Cards, I think. Oh, there's a hundred. Okay, that's more than I thought. Here. What do we got here? No, sixty. You're right. Sixty. Okay. Yeah, it, it was a small set. I want to say it was like about four bucks a pack back in the day. At this point, you were getting into like the four or five dollar 
uh, per pack cards that were a little heavier on the gimmicks. So holographics had a, um, the player image itself wasn't necessarily holographic. It just had like a shiny background, um, which I think is kind of cool. I mean, again, this is probably a set I picked up for like $10 after the fact, just because I was like, oh, okay, I don't have any sets from 99 because I didn't buy them in 99. So what can I get? And like a lot of times, like, um, some dealers, you know, they'll have like five or six sets from like the same year and I'll just buy them all if I don't have them. So that was another one that was, um, I, I think stands out, um, just for being unique. Sure. With all of that, that foil prism printing, um, there wasn't, um, at least the way they did the overlay on everything, there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot out there that rivaled that i wouldn't say um you know, obviously pacific had prism as their mm-hmm. own as their own brand and that was it was similar but still a little a little different i think most of my spending during that year went towards um mostly the tops brands okay uh, with a few upper decks mixed in as well as the pacific because one thing at least in the beginning of the season um, it's funny you mentioned Kmart having those repacks back in 96 and 97, um, <clears throat> or not repacks, but, you know, re, re shrink wrapped and priced for, for less, mm-hmm. um, Kmart, the Kmarts near me were inundated with Pacific. They all had Pacific, um, pretty much from 97 to 99, they all had boxes of Pacific of everything. Pretty much any release that came out, um, you could find more or less at Kmart. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was readily available. But Tops, Tops Chrome, Tops Gold Label, uh, the second year the Gold Label was out. Um, Premier Plus, I remember actually purchasing. And now that when since you brought it up about the the uh, um, contour ridges on that card, that reminded me of actually buying a box that i found at a retail store um it was actually um a store called hills and it was in pittsburgh i was visiting my mother and i picked up um, a box of that at at hills um premiere of 2000 premiere plus um it was in a i remember it was a big purple box and it had a picture of Chris Drury on it. That's all I remember about the box. But that set is a very small set. But the high numbers were like next to impossible to pull out of there. And I remember getting upset about that. Because there weren't very many high numbered cards that were pulled out of there. Which set are you talking about? The Premier, Pro- Premier Plus. The Tops oh. Premier Plus. Yeah, because Tops also had that issue with their... Um... In their 99-2000 set, they're, like, towards the end, they have a bunch of cards called Magic Moments. Yes. That are there's, like, cards. five different versions of each one. And I don't know why they needed to do that. Like, why did they need to give us, like, let's take a look here, like, Magic Moments, like, Yarmir Yager and Paul Correa and Eric Lindros and Mark Messier, Patrick Waugh, Joe Sackick, Steve Eiserman. Right. And, each, and each one featured a different moment in their careers, like a milestone moment. But 
if I'm not mistaken, weren't they the same pictures? They Didn't were the, they same use the same photos. Pictures, yeah. They just put a different uh, different text on the bottom to commemorate each individual yeah. event. Kind of lame, you know. I mean, it's it, it's kind of lame. And I remember like somebody having the set and trying to, you know, like where they wanted to sell it. It was at a show and I was just like, oh, those are kind of neat. And like, I didn't really think about like, um, at the time, like, oh, he's got, has all the short prints. I was just like, ah, whatever. It has all the short prints. And then like a couple years later when I'm like, Hey, I really need to start building up some of my top sets because I really do want to have every top set up to 2004. And I don't, there's a handful of sets I don't have from like, the late nineties and early two thousands. So I think I bought a box of 99, 2000 tops and I built the base set. No problem. But those magic moment cards. Yeah. Those, those short prints, that was a pain. And I'm still trying to find them all. They're not even that interesting. I mean, you just change the gold foil on the front to to say something different, same picture, same everything else. Um, There's no, I mean, it's like, you know, the completest in me says, yeah, I want to have all five versions of each card. But then it's just like, why? Like, you know, it's and you like, know, at the time, I didn't even realize that they were like that. I, I didn't fight, figure that out until after the fact when I was going through a stack of cards, probably a few years later. Mm-hmm. And I realized, hey, I have two of this Yager card. But wait a minute. It's not the same. And it had different um, different milestone printed on the bottom. Um so yeah, I'm still chasing some of those down. But yeah, for Premier Plus, the high numbers, which were the rookies mostly, um, those were next to impossible to find. Um, so I remember doing that from that year. I also remember the um, that there was Victory and mm-hmm. Ultimate Victory. Jeez, I, I don't know if you no if you ever picked any of those up or not. No. Um, so the Victory cards were typical. Um, lower end, uh, up deck. They were, you know, the, the white border with some type of colorful matching jersey number design or matching jersey color design. Uh, so nothing really, you know, outstanding that jumps out at you as something innovative, but ultimate victory were almost like a chrome finish to them. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a foil card. Mm-hmm. Um, Were they inserts? It, um, you know what? I don't know. I don't oh. remember. I don't remember because I had a bunch of them. I don't have them anymore. I don't <laughs> know what happened to them, but mm-hmm. I remember having a bunch of them, and I'm not real sure if they came out of a came out of a pack or if they came out of a um, box. By themselves, I'm pretty sure they were out of a pack, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, they had like Bobby Orr maybe mm-hmm. as the picture on the on the pack, and I think they were about three bucks roughly, which was a lot higher than some of the other packs, basic packs. So, you know, that was kind of the one if you found it where you were like, "Ooh, fancy," um, but you had a shot at, I believe you had a shot at getting like a Bobby Orr or a Gretzky like. If I'm not mistaken, it was like a game jersey card. Oh wow! Uh, that was included in there, but yeah. So Ultimate Victory was another set that has disappeared off of the uh, off the radar that came out that year. But one one set that it didn't bring up that 
wasn't a set by itself. It was an insert set mm-hmm. in in Upper Deck. If you remember, I believe this was the first year that they put out um, a piece of history, the 500 Goal Club, okay. with all of the cards that had um, the uh, like stick pieces mm-hmm. included um, for all the players that were in the 500 Goal Club at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a little piece of, of stick included in the card. Now, you got to remember, this is 20 years ago. So, yeah, memorabilia cards have been around for five years at that point. Six years, maybe. Mm-hmm. What, 94 was the first year memorabilia cards kind of popped up? I don't, um, I don't remember seeing jersey cards before. I thought 96, 97 was the first year for could jersey be. cards. Something tells me like it was either 94 or 95. Um, because uh, I was those, collecting those pretty have... heavily those years and I never yeah. saw any. Okay, maybe 96. So, you know, three to five years these have been out. So this is a, still a fairly new thing. And now they're putting sticks in the cards. These were these were big then because they were hard to find. And they're huge now. I, I found many collectors out there that still to this day are putting that putting that set together or trying to put that set together uh, from way back when. So the biggest thing with a lot of those, many of them were autographed and they were numbered out of 25. Um, you can, I've seen some of these sell for seven, $800. Wow. Some of the players, just depending on who the, who the subject is. So, um, that was a huge set. And since then they've come out with various incarnations of that same set. Um, but I believe that was the first year that, 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 that hit the market. Um, so, you know, that was one of those things. It's funny. You mentioned you, you got out of collecting and you were doing more toys than anything else. That was the year I moved to Las Vegas. So, um, there wasn't a whole lot in the collecting budget once I got out there mm-hmm. but prior, I, I, I made a dent. Let's put it that way. Um, that's that's when most of the uh, spending was early in the season. So mm-hmm. a lot a lot of those items that were available retail is pretty much where I picked them up because at that point in time, a lot of the card shops that had existed three or four years prior were no longer in business around so, where I live. So one thing I'm noticing, or not really noticing, but as I look back and I reflect on uh, hockey cards, and we'll just say, you know, from 99, 2000, because that was 20 years ago, is how everything has changed. Um, Not only the manufacturing process for the cards and the licensing, but also just like people's uh, attention span and, and even like the technology. So I guess what I'm saying is like, okay, so every era is different, right? Like your 50s and 60s, you know, it was just a big deal to have a color image of a player. And it wasn't necessarily a photo, even. It was just a painting of that player or a painting of a photo or it was a hand colored photo or whatever. Right. And then as it got to photography and an action photography and the statistics, just being able to have those statistics at your fingertips on trading cards was like a big deal. So if sure. you look at like if you look at like 1999, so what, what's happening here? We're finally getting, I mean, be a player would, uh, so let me start that over. So uh, 1999-2000, we had autographed cards were out for a couple of years now. Be a player kind of broke the ice with having a signed card per pack. And even though we weren't necessarily there, 
it wasn't like once in a blue moon you'd find an autographed card. They would show up a bit more frequent than, you know, one in every 10,000 packs, like back in, you know, the early 90s. Sure. You had jersey cards, and maybe, again, they weren't as prevalent as they are now, or they seem to be like in every eight packs or whatever. But you had autographed cards, you had jersey cards, and these were still relatively new concepts. They were still novel, so there was some excitement about them. Then you had um, competition, you know, with the different companies. So they were trying to innovate, out-innovate each each other. This company's going to do short prints. This company's going to do embossing. A company like Pacific, they're going to do like their Crown Royale cards that are like cut and shaped like crowns, right? That was Crown Royale? Crown Royale, yeah, it was die cut. Right, die cut. So you had die cutting, you had, you know your uh, high-gloss uh, UV coating on both sides. You had your foil embossing. You had your short prints, um, subsets, all these sorts of things. So the competition, they're trying to outdo each other. And then you had the technology, where a set like holographics, okay, granted, there were hologram cards going back to the early 90s, but now Upper Deck was just saying, ah, screw it, let's just do a whole set of holograms, right? Because people like holograms, let's just do a whole set of holograms, right? Or tops with their finest, right? Hey, let's just do a whole set of chromium cards, right? Because people like chromium cards, let's just do a whole set. Now, I know they did finest the past couple of years before then, um, but I'm just saying, so like all the gimmicks, everyone was just basically like throwing all the gimmicks that they had, um, to try to outdo each other. Uh, and then you had the technology, like with a set like um, Power Deck. Like now, nobody would want a set like Power Deck because it's just, oh, CD-ROM. Great, I have to find a computer with a CD-ROM. Maybe if I found one from 100 years ago, right? Or holograms, big deal. You know, there's so many cards with holograms these days. It's, it's not interesting. Maybe autographs sure. are interesting. Uh, but even then, the market's become saturated because you have sticker autographs um and jersey cards obviously have become saturated so like 1999 was just like a the nice novelty is worn off the novelty is worn off so like the new the, the novelties of things like game used and autographs it was still kind of feeling new the gimmicks were still kind of exciting and now you know 20 years later they're kind of tired some uh you know to some and then uh yeah and you know the other thing is is that you're not you don't really get those theme sets like you had century legends that looked at the best 50 players um, in history, and then I think the best current 50 players at that time or something around there, 50 or 40 or something like that, of, of, you know, current guys like Yager and Lindros. Um, Or you had a couple of different Wayne Gretzky sets that gave a retrospective on his career from his childhood all the way to his final game and, you know, all the in his uh, being um, inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And now we don't, we kind of get those sorts of things with like the Sidney Crosby Diary of a Phenom and, and the, the Connor McDavid set. But those always come out like in the beginning of the year and it's just kind of really chronicles like their life up until like the beginning of their rookie season. So we haven't really had a good retrospective set uh, like uh, the one we have uh, for Gretzky in, in, in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, we have had those throwback sets in the last few years, like, you know, like the Parkhurst. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Parkhurst sets, those have been like that. But yeah, you're right. There hasn't, there haven't been major release sets that were focused on a certain type of theme. But, you know, here's something else. 
you throw out there too. Okay, so yeah, the newness of the holograms of Warnock, newness of having autographs and all of that kind of stuff. So what do people go after now? Well, for Upper Deck, it's Young Guns, right? Right. You know, everybody wants the Young Guns. That's the hottest card. Back then, there were Young Guns. There were also prospect cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't really, you know, the big thing necessarily. But looking at, looking at the rookies back at that point in time, you had the Sedines, right? They were in that, uh, the 99-2000. Um, you had Roberto Luongo. Was in ninety nine two thousand. I had a rookie card a few years earlier, but yeah. Well, if you count the ninety seven ninety eight, he was pictured as a junior player. Yeah. I don't. Does that count anymore? Does that uh, consider a rookie card? So the way the way they count it is like if you're in an NHL set, but you're in a non NHL uniform, it still counts. So, so you know. So obviously, you know. Um, Eric Lindros in his 9091 uh, scorecard where he's with the Oshawa Generals, that's recognized as his rookie card. Okay. Even though he's not pictured with an NHL team, right? Et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of the understanding. Um, really, I guess it's like the, the player's earliest card where they're either in an NHL uniform or in an NHL set with the case of like, world junior championships or prospect cards or whatever that were still part of like those early nineties upper deck or score, um, sets or even like the OPG, like, um, the ninety ninety one Russians are considered, um, the, the red army ones are considered, uh, inserts, but I call them rookie cards anyway. That's fair. They're easy enough to get. So, you know, so yeah, I guess, I mean, the rookie class back then wasn't, at least from a card standpoint, looking back now, it wasn't, it's not as strong as let's say for the, for the sake of newness, let's, let's talk about, let's, or let's just say this year's, you know, you've got the Hughes brothers that are, have young gun cards or you got, you know, Cody glass or Kale McCarr will be in series two. I'm sure. Um, you know, Capo Caco. So you have a hot, a hot rookie class, at least right now, that's driving that market. You even go back each year and you look at, okay, you know, the year Austin Matthews came in or the year that McDavid and Eichel or the year, you know, there's, there's been, it seems like every year since, since the, the uh, lockout that Upper Deck has made cards and the young guns have come out there's been the hype over that rookie class that's been included in there back then. I don't really, I don't really remember that as being a thing because everything was focused more on what else can you give me? Like, uh, Oh, there's, you know, inserts in here. There's okay. What are the insert? There's autographs, there's memorabilia cards, there's this, there's that. Mm -hmm. Like you said, there's, Oh, you can buy a set of cards or you can open packs of cards and get CDs out of them and play them in your, you know, play them in your computer. So you have a lot of different, um, for lack of a better word, novelties, I guess, Mm -hmm. is what, what you would call that. But the other thing too is look, look, let's look at some of the checklists from back then and look at what would be considered extreme star power 
that led these checklists in almost every set that was produced back then. I mean, you're talking now Hall of Famers that were in the prime or the tail end of their careers that would eventually go on to be elected into the Hall of Fame between then and now. So looking back on that, I mean, there's a whole host of just regular, regular base set guys that were all Hall of Famers. And today's sets, if any of those guys were in them, they'd be considered the legends or the, you know, if there was a Hall of Famer section or something like that. Versus now today, we've got that same kind of thing. All of the stars of the NHL from the last 10 years are now in like the the prime or the twilight area of their careers. Crosby, mm-hmm. you know, not that he's slowing down any, but, you know, Crosby's been in the league for quite a while. Ovechkin's yeah. been in the league for quite a while. Yeah, he's probably going to break at least one of Gretzky's records going forward because he's going to stay in the league for a while. But still, he's been out there for a while. You know, Kane and Taze, you know, they've been in the league for for quite a while. So these guys are, it's kind of parallel to that because all of these names I'm mentioning, they're going to be Hall of Famers. There's no doubt that these guys are all going to be in the Hall because they pop up on everybody's top, you know, whatever list they're making. Um, and that was the same thing back then. You have all of those current players from then that were still playing that you turn around now and look at them 20 years later. And it's like, you look at this checklist and you think, okay, you know, just taking just one off the top of my head. If you look at the SP checklist from, um, 99, 2000, you know, you run down the list and you've got, you know, Ray Bork and Dominic Hasek and Joe Sackick and Patrick Waugh and Peter Forsberg and Mike Madonna, Brett Hall, Steve Eiserman, Sergei Fedorov, you know, Brodeur's in there, Luongo's in there, Ronick, Yager. I mean, you're talking about some of the greatest players that have played in the last, you know, 50 years. Well, and, and so here they are as a base. This was the base checklist at the time. If a set today came out like that with that as their lineup, you'd be like, holy cow, this is like a Hall of Famer set. Well, yeah, but I mean, you look at some of the guys who are in that set who aren't like in the Hall of Fame, or you look at like a set like Upper Deck Series 1, Series 2. I mean, there's a lot of players in there who are just okay players. So it's not like... So so two things. One, your bigger sets, obviously you're going to have like your Mark Messier, Timo Solani, Eric Lindros, you know, Brian Leach, Ray Bork, Jeremy Roenick, those guys, you know, who are all legends. But then uh, they're honestly, they're like quarter cards, though, for the most part, because they're still common cards. Right. We're kind of like it's kind of like this weird, fuzzy place where like 90s cards of legend players don't sell for a lot. Maybe you get a buck here or there for them. Because they're just, they were printed, there's tons of them printed. Maybe you get more of, maybe they cost more, they sell for more in some of the higher end sets, like maybe like a holographics or something where there weren't as many printed as say like tops from that year. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great. I find that, I find that to be a shame. It is. That's one of the, I don't know what the right word to call it, but that's one of the shames of this hobby and it's not just hockey either you got to think about that it's it's almost every sport you think about all the great players 
that came into the league in the late 80s, early 90s and played their careers and had Hall of Fame careers across the board. Right. And it's like you look at the translation into the card market and what do we always say? Oh, well, their cards came through the junk wax era. Right. You know, junk wax, junk wax, junk wax. Overproduction era, if you want to use a different word. Let's call it the overproduction era. Well, sure. that overproduction era spanned a pretty long time. And that's that's the the shame of all of that is you have these players that are Hall of Famers or will be Hall of Famers or should be Hall of Famers and have, you know, they're legends. And yet that's exactly what we do. We find them in the dime box or the quarter box or, you know, they're considered common cards you know so, and that's it's kind of crazy to think about oh it is it, it it's a shame and you know that's why every time i see a jeremy roenick in a dime box or a quarter box a rookie card that is every time i find a jeremy roenick rookie card in a dime box or a quarter box i rescue it i add it to my collection i mean i have over a thousand jeremy roenick rookie cards that i've acquired one way or another sometimes i bought them on ebay sometimes i traded people for them sometimes people just sent them to me or sometimes i find them in a diamond quarter box and i i get that little joy of like hey look what i found and i go oh it's not worth a lot and then i go well, i'm gonna buy it anyway you know what i mean like because it made me happy 20 years ago 30 years ago it still makes me happy today um as we wrap this episode up um i'm gonna ask just one we'll, we'll end this with a, a a question and honestly i'd like to know uh what you listeners think you know what you'd like to see come back maybe something from 1999 that you'd like to see come back um but i'm going to ask um what's maybe one thing you'd like to see come back from the 1999 2000 season and i'll answer i'll give my answer first i would like to see you want power deck back i know nope. what you want <laughs> oh, oh yeah okay i did say that i did want that to that i that's a set i'd like to see come back but i'd like to see it come back as a mobile app not necessarily as a cd-rom but as far as just like a set that i'd like to see come back I would like to see something like a Century Legends come back, you know, where they get like, uh, you know, the top hundred players. Like the NHL did that with their um, their hundredth uh, anniversary, where they did like the hundred best players, you know, and they didn't really rank them, but they just said these are the hundred best players from the from the decade of the NHL, right, for its hundredth anniversary. Uh, I would like to see maybe a non-insert set because I put that set together or try to put it together. And it's got some black and white photos and it's got some color photos and it's got some photo variations. And But I would like to see a set like an all-time great set. That's one thing I'd like to see. Another thing I'd like to see, and maybe Upper Deck could do this because they, are, they pretty much have all the big names locked up for licensing reasons. I'd like to see like a Hall of Famer set. Like just let's just a card, one card of everybody who's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I know that wasn't done in 1999. It was kind of done with the Century Legends set. Uh, I would like to see that done today. Not just like, here are 10 great players from the 60s or 10 great players from the 80s. I'd like to just see, let's just do like every person who's in the Hall of Fame. Just one card per person. That would be my wish. Yeah. It, in the Game did that back in 2010 with Enshrined. And but obviously it's dated now. So well, it was pretty expensive though, wasn't it? It was a very expensive set. I mean, that was those, I, those were on par with the cup, uh, as far as price tag goes. Mm -hmm. Um, and you only got 
uh, what was it? Four cards, maybe five cards in a box. And you got four, I think it was four base cards and one insert. So it was like some kind of memorabilia or autograph or something like that. And they came in like a nice little jewel case and all of the base cards are numbered out of 175. But again, there were no updates ever made. And now we know, you know, in the game and Leaf had their thing. And so there's been a lot of Hall of Fame inductees after the fact. So, you know, to be able to update that set and go on, I think Upper Deck could do a pretty good job of it and uh, and make a, a pretty decent design out of that. And you're right. Why wasn't there a 100th anniversary celebration set made by somebody? Like just just inserts in the upper deck, uh, they did the hundred cards, but but were all hundred represented? Uh, I don't know. As far as I know, yes. Hmm. But I'm gonna have uh, to double check. We have to double check that because for some reason I remember there being other players in there that weren't on the list, like maybe stars of today. But I don't know. I could be wrong. Hmm. I probably so, am. I usually am. What do you want to see come back? What would you like to see? Well, considering it was the second year that it was still there, I, I'd love to see Gold Label come back in hockey because I've already discussed the fact that that's my favorite, probably my favorite design of the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, overall, I think, um, you know, without getting without getting too gimmicky on the whole thing, um having other card manufacturers out there to kind of compete from a design level standpoint. That's the concept that I would like to see come back from 99, 2000. You know, I think those days are long gone. You know, will the NHL grant another license to a manufacturer at some point down the road? Maybe. Um, But, you know, maybe not. Who knows? Um, but as far as set goes from that year, yeah, if, if it wasn't, if it wasn't gold label, I would, I don't know. That's a tough call. You know, I, I did like the crown Royal set that, that you brought up the die cut crown set. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the year where they were horizontal mm-hmm. and the whole entire top of the card was a crown. Those were kind of cool. Um, yeah. Die cutting. Die, die cutting isn't used enough anymore like it was back then. Okay, well, there you have it. So uh, on our wish list of stuff we'd like to see come back from 1999-2000, we'd like to see die cutting come back. We'd like to see maybe a Hall of Fame set uh, or an all-time great set. Uh, we'd like to see uh, a gold Ooh, a label Oh, a die cut Hall of set. Fame set. Yeah, okay. Die cut Hall of Fame set. There you go. A die-cut gold label Hall of Fame set. There we go. Nailed it all. Well, no, you got to be able to put it in your computer then and, and hit play, and then it does something also. Yeah, or scan it to your phone. Yeah, I like that better. QR codes, right? They're perfect. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we ended this on a high note. So um, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Podcast. And like I said before, um, if uh, you know you want to share your thoughts on what you'd like to see return from 99 2000 leave a comment and then you can also follow us on twitter 
I'm at Puck Junk, and Tim is at the Real DFG. Tim, any parting thoughts before we uh, we call it? Make sure you guys uh, go check us out on wherever you find podcasts, because we're pretty much out there everywhere now. Yep, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on a couple of other ones, and probably a couple other ones that I've already forgotten about. So, until next time, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.